Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the United States Sports Show Field Hockey Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me today, Sauhegan Field Hockey Coach and AD Kelly Braley. Kelly, how are you doing today? I am great. I'm alive. We're <laughs> ready for some playoff talk. Always good to be alive. I tell myself <laughs> yes, that every is. day. Yep. <laughs> oh, My well. feet ended up on the right side of the ground today, so yes. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> uh uh, don't forget, you can send questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. You're going to have to do that soon, though, because we're getting towards the uh, the end end of the uh, playoffs here. So uh, only one more week after this to go. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at NHHSports. And uh, I guess we'll uh, update you on the schedule uh, in case you missed it last week. Uh, of course, uh, this show is up uh, Monday morning um, at nh-highschoolsports.com. Next week, uh, with the finals being on Sunday, October 30th, we're going to um, push back the, the podcast a couple of days just to give ourselves a little bit of time to digest what happens in the finals. Um, I don't think it would be a very good show if, if the two of us went and watched all those games or, or um, you know, we're at, at Bedford all day and then turned around and tried to do a podcast afterwards. I think... Uh, I don't think anyone would want to would enjoy listening to that because it would probably be That'd be a lot of babbling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, or more, more, more than usual on my part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to wait a couple days. Uh, we're going to record the podcast Tuesday night, uh, November 1st. It'll be up on the website uh, November 2nd, uh, Wednesday morning then. And uh, also uh, there will be one final coaches poll uh, that will be out after the finals. Uh, that will be posted November 1st. We're going to wait and do our voting after the finals again and um and that'll be available on uh, november 1st to uh to check out debate compare to you know what was the preseason poll what was the final poll how close were the coaches how you know what were wh how close were you on your own picks if you made some uh at home um so that'll be our uh, our schedule for there and then uh, you know, eventually we'll uh, I'll be posting the th the all state team from all three divisions, and uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the year, I'm gonna do my my own all state teams, um, like I've done for boys and girls lacrosse the last couple of years. So these will be teams that encompass all three divisions. So you know, it'll be a mix of you know some kids from maybe maybe there'll be a D three kid on on the first team. You never know. Um, I really even haven't started thinking about much of that yet. Um, so that'll probably come out a little more closer to mid-November, maybe even Thanksgiving. Uh, but I'm 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 excited to put that together because it'll be uh, a different experience for me. Um, you yeah. Know, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm sure I'll get a lot of feedback on it too. <laughs> Definitely, I'm sure. But I think it sounds it sounds fun. Like I think that that'll be a great yeah. I think that'll be a great addition. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about that, um, and I'm I'm yeah, I really am excited about the feedback because sometimes even the negative ones can be fun. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some interesting things get said sometimes. <laughs> For sure. I uh, mean, sometimes the best coaches are in the stands. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I you know I I noticed that. Um, I don't know if you saw my my tweet uh, yesterday from from actually from your game, um, but I did I did comment on uh, on the fact that we had reached the part of playoffs where, um, you know, supporters from schools had, had started showing up who had never been to a field hockey game before. And, uh, all of a sudden were complaining about calls. Um, that was, yeah, uh, yeah. that's always a fun addition to, uh, to the playoff season. It is, but it's also, it's also fun. Like 
people out there being passionate about a sport they're not usually passionate about, like I'm here for it. I love it. Bring it on. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, and maybe I get a little too annoyed by it, but I do. You know, I, <laughs> my, my, my feeling is it, my feeling is if it were me and I was showing up to 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 watch spectate on a sport that I really didn't know much about. Um, and and I was like, huh, I don't understand why that happened. Uh, my inkling is to keep my mouth shut or maybe say it to the person next to me, um, not shout it out so that everybody can hear me. Uh, but I that's, think that's, that's why we're good together, Joe, because like we complement <laughs> each other well. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a yeller. Okay. I'm a talker, right. which might surprise some of the people listening. Um, maybe, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with no. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, we got some playoff games to talk about. Um, quite a bit of of them. Um, because we've now finished up two rounds since the last time we did this. Um, prelims were were midweek last week, and then quarterfinals this weekend. Uh, so I want to start with uh, with Division One. Um, before we get into the quarterfinals, which were played Sunday afternoon, uh, I want to take a quick look back at the prelims. Uh, we had three games: uh, the eight nine game, seven ten, and six eleven. And um, you know, the game I went to, um, I, you know, I thought for a moment there, or for a little while there, I might be there all day. Um, <laughs> and if, you know, it was an interesting. Um, kind of situation too it was uh it was pinkerton at bishop girton the uh, the 10th seeded astros and the seven seeded cardinals uh they moved that game up to two o'clock on thursday uh because of course with the game being on bg's home field it was at stelos and um i think the south and then the north boys soccer teams both had a or they had a double header uh scheduled to start at four o'clock uh and that game went into overtime and it was scoreless into overtime and I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, I hope these soccer kids aren't in a rush to get out or too much of a rush to get out here because the way it was looking, I thought we might end up going to, to penalty strokes because no, yeah, one, was, I mean, no one was scoring. No, that's a tough – I mean, that I think that was the game that I know I had circled in the first round for D1. Um, not necessarily because of the, the ranking, just because of what both teams possessed skill-wise and – um, you know, I thought it was going to be it. So, I mean, that game absolutely delivered on intensity and taking it down to the wire and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a bummer that it had to get moved up on Thursday. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a really weird time for both schools, but I guess that's the beauty of it, right? Like both schools have to deal. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, the outcome was down to the wire. Yeah. It, it... It, there were stretches where it just it wasn't like you know they were getting shots and you know goalies are making saves i mean both goalies did make a couple of saves here and there but it was like most of the game was played between the 25s like it was just so you know back and forth and and neither one you know it, each team had had some corners um i'm forgetting the numbers off the top of my head but it it wasn't a lot uh although pinkerton had um two in the last two minutes of the of regulation where you know, it was a little a little hairy there for for a minute or two for for BG. Um, you know, but they survive it, get into overtime, uh, and it was uh, Sophia Bilodeau who had the goal um, to send them into the quarterfinals. But um, you know, I I don't know, I I can't think of too many um, situations that are much more fun than than overtime playoff overtime field hockey. Um, just with that, you know, and I, I suppose it's the same with soccer ice hockey like just that that 
uh, sudden death goal is is uh, is a lot of fun. Um, you know, yeah, I'm, it's nerve wracking yeah, too, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, it is for it is for coaches. Um, for someone like myself who's just there, you know, being is is the um, um, trying to now I can't think of the word um, objective, uh, you know, kind of uh, observant. I, I'm, I, yeah, it, it's, I'm just enjoying the moment. Yeah. And it's interesting too, especially with a game that's, you know, kind of won or lost between the 25s, you know, where it's so intense there. The second you go to a 77 overtime, it really opens up the whole field. Um, so the game's, you know, less between the 25s now and, and much more, uh, you know, who's got what left in the tank and who can capitalize on the few opportunities they're given. And it sounds like that's what it came down to. Yeah. The uh, the other two prelims in D one were were rematches of of recent games. Uh, I mean, Concord and Timberlane played in the last game of the regular season, turned around and played again a week later. Um, Concord won two nothing, uh, and then uh, Londonderry went out to Keene. I think for the second time in maybe two weeks, and uh, Keene took that one for nothing. Um, you know, so I yeah, and both scores. Both scores were pretty similar from when the last time each of the teams yeah. played. Concord Timberlane was a one nothing game for Concord, um, and Keen Londonderry was four nothing. Um, so you know that familiarity I think helped. Um, you know the winning teams just know what they had to do. I think it's definitely more um, relaxing when it's somebody you have played and have played recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that set up uh, the quarterfinals, which were uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, how about we? Do you want to start with the one that I went to? Uh, that uh, yeah. Concord Wyndham uh, quarterfinal. What's that? Um, the the Concord Wyndham quarterfinal. Um, you know, it's it's funny. I these two teams played in the first game of the regular season too. Uh, also at Wyndham uh, was at that one. Uh, and that was a 4-1 win for Wyndham. Uh, this time around, um, it, you know, you could you could tell, especially Concord, um, they had taken strides from that first game of the year. As, I mean, as you would expect, um, you know, of course, team to get better, you know, as as the year goes on. Um, but they dominated long stretches of that game. And honestly, I think for Wyndham, if it wasn't for for Annie Mitchell and goal, uh, Wyndham doesn't win that game. You know, Concord wins by maybe a couple of goals. Instead, uh, Mitchell had some huge saves, uh, particularly the end of the first half and then in the third quarter, uh, and, and Wyndham hangs on for a 2-1 win there. Uh, and, you know, and, and I don't even know what it is for them. It's how many semifinals in a row it's got to be for them, certainly every year that they've been in D1, uh, but probably going back quite a few years in D2 as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, Con Concord's shown so much growth throughout the season. Um you know, it's never easy to open uh, uh, the season on a 4-1 loss. Um, and then they went on a five-game winning streak before, you know, dropping maybe a, a weird one to BG by one goal. Um, but then they never, you know, the end of the season, I think, is really what category, like, that's what mm, illustrated Concord's fight, I think, yeah. um, where they were grinding out one-goal games. Um, pretty consistently through the end of the season, you know, dropped a tough one to win a Cunnet, but again, only a one goal game. Um, dropped a tough one to Exeter, that was two, but when you have a team that can 
that can that can be gritty like that and can persevere in tough situations they're they're super scary um and Wyndham, you know ending the regular season on a loss a team that is definitely not used to winning in its history of being a team um i think that gives them a little bit of life too to set the record straight and remind everybody who they are so yeah. i'm not surprised that that game was the battle that it was um and i think either team winning i mean we going to the final four like you said is kind of in Wyndham's culture but concord being who they are i think they could have just as easily been there and, and a team too that's been you know they haven't been they weren't last year but they've been a final four team um, for a couple of years previous to that too, um, and in the final um, against Wyndham, I want to say going back to 2019, if my memory is still any good. Um, yeah, they were they were in that final in 2019. Um, yeah, you know, and 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 afterwards, I mean, it, it it seemed like a very tough spot for them to be in because, you know, they're you know obviously the disappointment of the season ending, but they played so well that it didn't like the 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 usual i guess emotion that you see from from a team who loses in the playoffs it wasn't there i mean i think they they were and rightfully so you know keeping their heads up about playing a really good game against a really good team yeah and that's you know that's a nice that's a nice feeling when you know you've you've given it all and you have nothing else to give you know nothing's worse than you know coming out and ending your season and feeling like you could have done more. And I, I don't think Concord could have. Yeah. Uh, so they move on, or excuse me, Wyndham moves on to face um, Exeter in the semifinals. Uh, Exeter gets there with a 2 nothing win over Bishop Girton, uh, also Sunday afternoon, uh, in a game that, um, you know, was a lot less, you know, lot lower scoring I guess than uh, than their regular season meeting um, Exeter won that one five to two um, on their field uh, during the regular season in a game that I think BG actually had the lead in too and then Exeter came back with a couple quick goals turned the the momentum in that one uh, today it was actually scoreless at halftime and uh, and Exeter got a goal and I think in each of the last two quarters um, you know to, to take that game Um yeah. But I, I mean, for for BG, it looks kind of like, uh, you know, a, a pattern that I think they had for most of the year when they when they and I, I, maybe this is a little silly to say, because obviously, if you don't score, you don't win. But if you look at, you know, so their games, those two goals against Exeter were the only two goals that they scored in a loss this year. So when they didn't score goals, they weren't winning games. Right. I mean, they weren't really giving themselves you know, a chance to, um, it's, it was, it's an interesting, yeah. I mean, that game sets up for an interesting semifinal. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that BG had the fight in them that they did to kind of close that gap of the goal differential. Um, but I'm also not surprised Exeter, you know, came together in the second half and handled it. Um, the playoffs are a totally different creature. Like, you know, I can't stress this enough to my team or anybody out there watching, like whatever happened in the regular season, all bets are off come playoff time. <laughs> yeah. So, so for, you know, for BG to, to put up that fight in the first half and go scoreless into overtime, 
is awesome, really. Like, it makes for some interesting field hockey and great games. Um, but just, you know, Exeter's track record and what they've been able to to accomplish this season, um, you know, that that doesn't that, – the result doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's probably probably that first half is a mix of things, right? That, Like you said, BG coming out, knowing that this, you know, this could be it and, and fighting for, you know, pretty hard. And then Exeter having the bye – having not played in over a week, um, actually probably nine days since their last since their uh, last regular season game. And, and you know, maybe, you know, as much as you maybe fight against it, you know, they've, they've scored five against BG in the regular season. Maybe they kind of, you know, maybe aren't as, as locked in go- starting the game. So, you know, that always pl- plays in a, into it as well, I think. Yeah. And I mean, you never know, too, the mentality going in. You know, is Exeter looking at that preseason score and thinking it's going to be? a little bit more of a cakewalk than BG made it for them. Who knows? You know, and it took them a half to realize like, oh no, we need to find the next level and, and play because this is playoffs and it's win or go home. Yeah. In the um, uh, um, the 4-5 matchup, um, I, I think this one was kind of, you know, it, it interesting how one year turn you know, one year goes into the next one, right? I think we talked about last last week about how a year ago, uh, Bedford and Dover played in the regular season at Bedford, and Bedford won. And then they met again in the quarterfinals at Bedford, and Bedford won that game. This yeah. year it's flipped. They played in the regular season at Dover. Dover wins that game. Because of that win, they play the quarterfinal at Dover. Dover wins again today 3-1 uh, to one, uh, to get into the Final Four. Um, and I, I don't want to say I wasn't surprised. I, I mean, I wasn't surprised by the outcome, um, of course, given the the regular season uh, meeting. Um, but Dover just seems like they've been on such a roll for, for a couple of weeks now, maybe even going on a month. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here and saying if this game's on turf, Bedford wins it. <laughs> I think home field played yeah. big in this. Um, Bedford is so quick and so crisp with passing. Um, when it's a predictable surface, obviously I wasn't at this game, so I don't, I don't know what, um, what it was, the score, but it being a close competitive game doesn't surprise me. Dover coming out on top with a home field advantage. I don't know that I could say it surprises me, but I mean, I, I really do think this is a situation where if this game was on turf, it might've gone differently. Yeah, that's that's something that a lot of, of coaches have said over, you know, not, and not just this year, last year as well, that, that Bedford's one of the better passing teams in the division. Um, and you're right. Yeah, like you said, that that is, you know, makes a whole lot of a difference on on turf. Um, and, and, and yeah, <laughs> I guess that's what, that's about it. Um, you know, it just when you you and you can see it you go on the other way, too. A lot of times I, I think we talked about it, you know, Saturday. Um, after after your game against Merrimack Valley, um, you know, and and last week looking at some of those prelims, where you you had grass teams going to play on turf fields, and it just it makes such a difference, and it's so hard to to switch on the fly, especially if you're not used to to playing on that surface. Yeah, I gotta I gotta start playing the lottery so I can live up to my promise of when I win it, I'll buy everyone turf fields. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we someone needs to come up with a a, a, a like a nonprofit. Uh, in the state to just raise money for for turf fields. How, uh, that, yeah, I like that. that. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, and and you're looking at looking at this final four too. I mean, you had 
three of the four, or not f- the quarterfinals, excuse me, three of these four games are on grass, um, too. Yeah. That's, that's Which, a... wild. <laughs> wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and then the, the last um, quarterfinal today in, in D1, or Sunday in D1, um, probably the the craziest one, um, where you have uh, top-seeded Winniconnet, um you know, not not needing overtime, but but needing a little bit of extra time to to beat Keen two to one. Uh, Keen led one nothing. Um, I think from about the um, yeah, Keen scored in the second uh, second quarter. Uh, led one nothing at halftime. Led one nothing going into the fourth quarter uh, before Winnicott could tie it up. Uh, and then with uh, with no time left, uh, the Warriors scored. Uh, on a goal from uh, from Abby Wilbur on a corner uh, to win two to one uh, in in what just must have been a, a, a crazy finish. Oh, I can't like the the heartbreak that Keen brought, like must have felt knowing that they were were not necessarily recreated because they were up right before. Yeah. Uh, but remember, nine days ago they just played Winnicott to a tie. Right. Yeah. A, so four-four tie. Yeah. So like tons of goal scoring. Like both of these teams able to go, and then you know Keen, you know, with the scent of maybe an overtime or a victory looming, you know, looming. You know, Winnicott comes in and and finishes the deal with no time left, and um, you know those last minute quarters or, or corners are are terrifying for exactly that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and I think in the end, um, you know, maybe shouldn't be surprised. I, I know, I know, we, you know, we said they they tied that last regular season game, um, you know. But you look at Keen's, you know, body of work throughout the year, and you know they lost what eight eight games, nine if you include the regular or this uh, this playoff game, and of those games, all of them except for one were one goal games. Yeah. Um, against. You know everybody that was ahead of them in the standings too, um, right? Know, with, so they can they can turn it on when it's necessary, and today was definitely a day that it was necessary, and they turned it on, and it was just, you know, when it kind of coming through and and capitalizing at the end. Yeah, it just uh, it's such a, a heartbreaking loss, but a, a valiant effort, and certainly again, kind of like what we were, you know, we said about Concord, and and really the other, all the other teams that 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 lost in the quarterfinals. I I, I don't think any of those teams. Um, you know, should be unha- or should be discouraged by the way those games went because they all seemed like they were pretty evenly matched and well well played games. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody going out left, you know, had anything else to give. I think all all four teams gave gave it all and and shouldn't have any regrets. Yeah. So that sets up uh, Dover and Winnicott for the other semifinal. Um, so those games will be played next Thursday, or th- this coming Thursday, the 27th, um, at Exeter. Um, Wyndham and Exeter would play at 5 o'clock. Dover and Winnicott play at 7, or whenever that first game ends, uh, assuming, or, you know, in case it goes overtime or, or, or penalty strokes, or you know, whatever happens there. Yeah, and I'll be excited. There's no ties this time, Exeter and Wyndham. Like, <laughs> we're sorting it out. No, no ties. Um, I I think both games should be incredible. I mean, yeah. the other the other regular season game between Dover and Winnicott that was a two one 
win a kind of win. Uh, that was actually Dover's last loss too. Um, you know, they've yep. won eight in a row since then. Uh, so I, I think both these games are going to be phenomenal. Um, you know, I think we were talking last week about what, what's the weather going to look like. Cause usually, you know, these three days in Exeter are like the coldest days of, of the, the winter or excuse me, the fall, <laughs> I feel like, yeah. and, and, you know, 95% of the time it rains. Um, yep. I think it's, I think it's supposed to rain all three days or at least one, one of the two days or three days, but it's actually going to be warm, uh, which will be weird. Um, yeah, just, I'll pull, take that. <laughs> just pulled up uh, the 10 day forecast real quick. Uh, Tuesday, which is the D three semis 66 is the high um, 24% chance of rain Wednesday. Uh, the high is 63 low is 56. Of course, there's a 74% chance of rain. Um, for that day and then yeah, thursday perfect thursday i might have to break out the shorts uh 71 for a high 22 percent chance of rain of course the low is going to be 42 so maybe maybe i won't break out the yeah shorts. who knows that seven o'clock game might get a little <laughs> chilly uh I'll bring some layers uh wouldn't be the first yeah, time I, I had a wardrobe change in the middle of a game in the middle of a, a group of games but looking like a, like it's going to actually be somewhat decent weather for for the semifinals um, I love it. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. All right, well let's uh, let's move along to uh, to D2. A um, little bit more to talk about there with the prelims because there's more games. Um, Twelve teams, four, fourteen teams total get in. Twelve played in the prelims, so six games going on there. Um, you know, and and I I'll start again with the the game. I I well, actually I take that back. I saw two games. Uh, but the one I'll start with is, um, you know, the, the Goffstown Dairy Field game. It was a uh, 11 versus 6 matchup. Um, you know, when they played in the regular season, it was a, a 5-2 Dairy Field win in a game that was, uh, you know, it, it kind of, I don't say it got out of hand, but Dairy Field scored some of those goals real quick. I think it went from being like a scoreless game to 3 nothing in, in a couple minutes, and, you know, it, it, it uh, never really got much closer. Um, this time around, much different game and, and kind of just a strange one. Um, Dairyfield had one corner in the first minute of the second half. Uh, Kira Geddes scores on it, just absolutely crushes a ball from the top of the circle, gets it in, and that was it. one nothing. Dairyfield was the final. Goffstown had a couple corners throughout, had some chances, just couldn't seem to get that last touch, um, to score, um, you know, the uh, Dairyfield goalie, um, Jess Avalon, had a, a pretty good game, um, you know, and, and her defense played well around her. Um, but really just kind of, again, another well-played game that was back and forth, just not a lot of scoring chances for either team. Yeah, and I mean, Goffstown's track record of upsetting people yeah. on the road, yeah. you know, is is alive and well. And and this game, I think, is, is one everybody should have been watching. Um, so yeah, I mean, for Dairyfield to capitalize on that one chance they got is, is credit to them and they can be very deadly on their corners. Um, and for Goffstown to be able to hold it down in the midfield in the meantime, you know, that's a, that's a great game and, and obviously not a, not a win for Goffstown, but I think for a team that's, um, you know, growing, they lost a lot last year. Um, and they don't lose a ton this year. No. I think Goffstown only graduated three seniors yep. this year. And and I think um, two of you them, know that's 
I was just going to say, oh, go ahead. Only, and I think only two of them really played key roles for them. So, yeah, a lot of kids back. Yeah, so, time. yeah, right. So I, I think Goffstown's going to be a, a scary team next year, and, and this hopefully will serve as a building block for that. I think both of these teams are, are going to be right there in the mix next year. Um, I know Derryfield loses some good seniors too, but they, I think they've got a, a good amount coming back. I, I could be wrong about that, but. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right on with that. Um, and if, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more later too, but they, they gave, uh, had a pretty good quarterfinal themselves. Yeah, for uh, sure. So the other, the other, uh, prelim that I was at, um, was kind of, uh, I, I guess some might say was a bit of a historical matchup, um, for two teams that really haven't had a ton of field hockey success in recent memory. Uh, that was Pembroke at Hollis Brookline, uh, the five twelve game and, and Pembroke as the 12 seed, I, I, their first playoff appearance in field hockey in, uh, I, about 10 or 15 years was, was the, seemed to be the guess. Um, and, and, uh, for Hollis, the first, possibly the first home game, uh, playoff game since like 2007 or 2008. So yeah, I mean, yeah, very strange matchup. Both of these teams have, you know, just stuck with it and, and, you know, worked and grown their programs and, you know, the division's grown as well, which has opened up some more opportunities for teams to get in and play. So, um, you know, kind of neat to see those two, those two programs who historically have been, you know, on the outside looking in, be able to, to get a playoff game. And then I think, you know, Hollis being able to, Host, like you said, is the first time in a really long time that Hollis has been able to host a playoff game. I think they've been in the tournament more recently yeah, than Pembroke yeah. has, but certainly have not hosted a playoff game in, in a long time. Right. Uh, and, and this one, I, I mean, I, it was, I don't know if Hollis could have started any faster. I mean, they just came out flying, um, scored, scored early, um, two goals in the first five minutes, and uh, they never really let up. It was a 4 nothing final. Um, you know, but they did, um, you know, just, uh, controlled things for, for, for most of the game. They rarely let Pembroke, um, inside the 25. I don't think Pembroke had a penalty corner, um, the entire night, I mean, only two shots, um, total, uh, just, just a, a dominating performance by, by, um, Hollis and, um, they, and, and th- again, another situation where you could see, you know, a team that I think we said last week Pembroke had played one game on turf all year. Right. Um, and, and you could just see that difference that, that Hollis was just just moving around it. Like, it was like they were a, a, a step faster um, the entire night. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, Hollis, we – Sauhegan saw them the third game of the regular season, and, um, you know, the score at that time was not indicative of where this team was going to stay. It was It was – pretty clear even early on that they were going to take off and go. They had all the pieces they needed to be able to put it together. Um, you know, and coach Greg Cochran is new to the division, but certainly not new to the game. And yeah, I think he's done a tremendous job with that team through the season. And, and yeah, they're, they're absolutely flying. And I think, um, I think for me, they're they're the dark horse. I think that they can yeah. give Stark a real run for their money in the semifinal. Yeah. Um. You know the other other prelims. Um. You know Portsmouth with a with a seven nothing win over Sanborn. Kind of not a not too much of a surprise there. Um. 
Merrimack Valley with a one nothing win over Oyster River. Um, I didn't see too much on that game, um, but it sounds no. Like I think that might be another one where home field kind of played an advantage. Yeah. Oyster River being a turf team and used to the ball doing you know kind of what they want it will. I think Merrimack Valley being able to host that definitely played to their advantage. Yeah, uh, Hanover with the two one win over Lebanon. Um, you know, in, in what must have been a pretty intense uh, rivalry game um, up there. And, um, and then uh, kind of the, the maybe surprise of the prelims, uh, Kennett needs overtime to take care of Bo, two to one. Um, yeah, the, I mean, wild finish there. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so then the quarterfinals that were this past Saturday – um, I, you know, let's start with that one that, that, that Hollis Brookline then, um, turns around, makes the trip up to Kennett, um, as the five, you know, Hollis, the five seed Kennett, the four seed and, um, pulls out a one, nothing win in what's probably, you know, one of the bigger, I know, I know four or five isn't, doesn't tend to be an upset, but given, you know, the travel, um, you know, the difference again, Hollis, a turf team going to play on Kennett's grass field. Um, the, and, and just the histories of the programs, um, like we said, Hollis hadn't been, you know, hasn't really been to this point in a long time. Um, you know, probably one of the bigger upsets, I think, um, certainly of this playoff. Yeah. I mean, like you said, especially because of the travel and that, and that home field advantage for Kennett, um, I think it speaks volumes to Hollis's determination and resilience in, you know, making that trip and then coming out with the win. So they all, uh, we're, we're trying to look this up. Um, and, and, uh, you know, no one, uh, over at Hollis seemed to really have an answer, uh, when the last time, uh, they were in the final four other than, uh, a really long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but looking at, um, you know, looking at the championship history on the NHIA website, um, which of course is only just only championship games. Hollis has only ever been in the final once. Uh, that was back in 1990. They were in the Class MS final. Uh, so obviously they had to be in the final four that year. Um, right. But outside of that, I'm I'm not too sure. I don't know if there's anybody, you know, um, maybe someone involved at the school that was that was there a long time ago or has been there for a long time might know, but. Um, Certainly, their first Final Four appearance in in a long, long time, and uh, playing a team that uh, is making what its first ever Final Four appearance, right? Uh, and yeah, that, that's John Stark who uh, who took out Hanover uh, three to nothing in in the quarterfinals on Saturday. Yeah, and I think the like I said, the Stark Hollis matchup is going to be it's going to be electric for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, I know that Stark is a grass team, but I, I know that they pride themselves on on being able to be versatile um, in their quickness and and speed and ability to push play, um, you know, is only better on turf. And yeah, Hollis, you know, has their turf field now and, and all of that. But I think two teams who have either never been or haven't been since I was nine years old right. <laughs> in the semifinals, I think is going to be like, that's just going to be such a, such a awesome game to watch. Yeah. Um, both are, are gritty and determined and scrappy. Like I would describe both teams as scrappy, but also skilled. Like it's a, it's a, it's an interesting game that they both play. Um, 
So I think that that's going to make for a, a really fun semifinal round. Um, yeah, two teams too that like there isn't you know I would say that that maybe are have a little bit more depth than maybe they do like that standout one or two players, you know that that you have to look at and say we have to shut this person down, um, you know I, and I think that'll make for interesting matchups across the board. Uh, you yeah. Know, and and we were talking about before we we started recording here too that I don't think you can go off of what the regular season game was like between these two either. They met. No, um, it was the first game yeah. of the season. I mean, they barely knew each other. And I know, you know, Hollis's coach was hired pretty late, very quickly yeah. before the start of the season. Right. So, um, you know, where where Dennis at Stark has had a little bit more longevity with the team and didn't have to get to know them, um, you know, with quite the same pace that Coach Cochran did at, at Hollis, I think is I, I mean, I, I honestly think that kind of plays a little bit to Hollis's favor um and just being able to to grind some stuff out but you certainly cannot underestimate stark either but i think that the the numbers associated with both teams aren't going to factor in you know stark being the one seed and hollis being the five seed i think it's gonna it's gonna end up being a lot closer game than that yeah uh your uh your quarterfinal on saturday um of course sauhegan beat merrimack valley seven to one in a game i you know i guess if we're being fair, kind of got got away from Merrimack Valley late. I think it was maybe what four one, and in the fourth quarter, and and then a couple goals went in late, um, to to kind of create that gap. But the biggest thing to me was that you guys scored seven goals uh, without Ella Barrett having one of them. Um, your you know leading scorer, uh, which is kind of a, a crazy. I don't know if you'd believe that you know before the game. Yeah, I mean, Ellen, I have had a couple conversations about that just because, you know, you, you play a 14-game season. She's got, you know, 19 goals on it. People have her number. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the thing that we talk about a lot as a team is that our scoreboard says Sabres. It doesn't say a particular human or a number or a player. Right. I don't care who puts the ball in the net. Somebody just do it. You know, and, and I, I will say I didn't really notice any points. I mean, she did have, I think, two assists in the in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really note, you know, not that I was closely watching her every single time down up and down the field, but I didn't I, I didn't notice her any frustration at any point. I'm sure there was some, um, you know, but, I, you know, sometimes when a team is, is trying to take you out of out of a game like that, you know, there there tends to be that level of frustration. I didn't see that at any point. Yeah, I, I think there was a, a couple times, certainly, you know, she wants to she wants to contribute on the scoreboard as much as she can, you know, just like the other 10 players on the field. And heck, I'll even put Annie in that. <laughs> so I think, you know, if they could all contribute, they they would. But I think Ella's I think Ella's really grown a lot in her mental game through the season and not letting that drag her down. And then the uh, the other quarterfinal. um this was the the crazy one for for Division Two. You had to, you had that finish in in Keene Winnicott in Division One. Um, the Portsmouth Dairyfield quarterfinal was was this one in Division Two. Uh, Dairyfield I think was up. It was one one at halftime. Dairyfield took a two one lead in the third quarter, um, and then Portsmouth comes back, ties it, and then wins the game on a goal by Charlotte Marston with uh, with I think thirty seven seconds left in regulation. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, and this is another matchup where you can't you can't look at what the regular right. season was 
to determine the outcome. The two met in the what second game of the regular season. First or second? I think first for Derryfield, second for Portsmouth. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a a six-one Portsmouth victory. So you can't like teams have grown, teams have changed. What's happened in the regular season is not indicative of what's going to happen in the playoffs because it's a it's a whole new season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that regular I was at that regular season game and that one just kind of snowballed on Derry Field. It was like, okay, all of a sudden it's one nothing, and then it's two nothing, and then it's three nothing. You know, and and I, I and um you know Derry Field coach um Kelsey Federico said to me after their prelim win over Goffstown was that 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 game that against Portsmouth was the one that she would have most liked to have like a re a redo or you know a second chance to face them. Um, because yeah. of the way that they came out of that game, you know, six one against defending champs, first game of the year, you, you know, you you could get, um, you know, pretty down, I think, on yourselves at that game. And she said, you know, she said she liked the response from the team from that game, um, for sure. And I think the two teams match up well against each other, like personnel wise. Um, you know, Portsmouth in the beginning of the season certainly had. A couple more, I think, standout players. But as the season's gone on, I think Derryfield certainly developed, and and you know some of their pieces have come into their own as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sets up a, uh, I'd say, a pretty interesting semifinal um, on the other side of the bracket. <laughs> there, uh, Sauhegan Portsmouth round two, um, yeah, or, or round four. I don't know if you want to include regular season games. <laughs> Too many rounds. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this was was the game last year. Um, you guys went to overtime. Portsmouth ends up winning that game, goes on and wins in the final. Um, you know, and a lot of kids back from both teams um, from from that game last year. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I think you know we talked about Division One, the two the two games in Division One being, you know, in, in exciting matchups. And I got to say, I think both of these two games are as well. Yeah, I I think so as well. And I mean. The, it, it's interesting the Sauhegan Portsmouth matchup. I think last year they were the two seed, we were the right. three. Yeah. Now we're the two, they're the three. Um, and I mean, I would be lying if I didn't, if I didn't say that that <laughs> that game hasn't been playing in my head on repeat for the last year. Um, and I know that my returners are are feeling the same way. And I'm sure, you know, Portsmouth is prepping just as hard as we are. And and Hollis and Stark are as well. So I think that this Wednesday, regardless of the weather, is going to be a, a, a fun night of field yeah. hockey. Um, yeah, that, those games will also be played at Exeter uh, with uh, with Sauhegan Portsmouth at five and then Hollis Brookline, John Stark at seven. Uh, you know, again, two, two really great games, I think, are, are on tap there. Um, and then... Uh, Tuesday, you get the Division Three games, but before we talk about those, the uh, the prelims. Um, so I was at the Bishop Brady Winnesquam game. Brady wins that one for nothing. Um, they just you know they dominated stretches of that game. Um, tons of corners. They were able to score off a couple of them. Uh, four different you know a, a different a different type of of Brady I think attack this year. I mean they had been um, you know so. Um, I, how, why am I blanking on her name? Um, girl that had been their strong player the last couple of years. Now they're kind of a little bit more well-balanced. Uh, four different goal scorers in this game. They got that 4 nothing win over Winnesquam. 
Uh, you look at the other other prelim, Berlin gets a two nothing win over White Mountains. Uh, but the one that kind of you know is is uh, you like to see it. I wish I could could see like a replay of this somewhere. It was uh, Muscoma Valley's two one overtime double overtime win against Stevens, where I think Stevens led one nothing for most of the game. And then Merrimack Valley came back and, and tied it late, and then obviously took it in uh, in double overtime. Um, which I know they'd had some overtime games earlier in the year where they'd either lost or ended up tying. So uh, I guess all, all that practice pays off in, in, when you get into the playoffs. Yeah, Mascoma. Um, yeah, I mean, just coming back down a goal to, to put in two um, and get that second one in a double overtime. Like I can't imagine a more exciting feeling for those, for those players. Um, and I think that it's exactly what you want out of kind of that eight, nine preliminary round matchup. Yeah. I think sometimes prelims, especially when there are a lot of teams, which isn't the case in, in D3, um, prelims can can be a little lopsided at times, but uh, this was certainly so. You know, when you look for those eight nine matchups or the four fives after you get a bye in the first round, um, you know, it's certainly certainly interesting. And those two teams had played each other pretty right. recently, um, but I think Mascoma hosted the last one, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, and it was a, a two one win over Stevens, so to go to Stevens and beat them on the road in that fashion is, is, you know, awesome for them. Yeah. I, I think maybe that's sometimes why you end up, you know, because teams aren't as familiar with each other, maybe you end up with some of those lopsided games, although um, white mountains and, and, and Berlin did play, uh, but Bishop Brady and Winnesquam did not. Um, but yeah, it, it, cause it's such, I mean, I know it's weird. You know, you have Division One where everybody plays everybody. Division Two where you don't play anyone twice, but you don't play everyone either. Right. And then in three, just because everybody's so spread out, you're playing like multiple teams multiple times, and you definitely don't play anywhere near uh, everybody. Right, but still not all of them sometimes just yeah. because of proximity, which right. is which is a, 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 wild, a wild stat, but then... You know, now Mascoma moves on to Guilford and, you know, the Mascoma Guilford regular season game. Again, not that it like is super telling because playoffs are a new beast, but Mascoma certainly has the talent to make it interesting for Guilford. They were one of the few teams that, you know, had a one goal game with them. Yeah, uh, a one goal game, although, uh, you know, quite a while ago, back in mid-September. Right. Um, and I believe in this one, um, the, the quarterfinal that, that Mascoma actually scored first it was a one nothing game and then Guilford tied it on a on a stroke um and it was 1-1 at halftime before Guilford pulled away for for a 5-1 win uh you know in in that quarterfinal um yeah i mean like we said i think we said it a couple weeks ago like everything kind of right now seems like Guilford's to lose um yeah. you know they've been they've been absolutely dominant in the division all season uh, you know they'll play uh, Messinic, who won the four-five matchup um, in the quarterfinals, three uh, nothing over Conant in a game that was, um, you know, it was really interesting to see how it was going to play out because Conant Messinic, big rivalry in in all sports. Uh, they played each other twice, 
with each team winning one nothing on their home field. This one right. was at Messinic. Um but you know the the, the Vikings scored uh, I think a goal in each of the first three quarters, all on corners, uh, and then Conant had like thirteen corners and just and, and including a couple at the end of the first half where they just they had a, some great looks and just couldn't finish. Yeah, I mean it it was the the score surprised me a little bit that three zero I kind of expected it to be a little bit more right yeah back and forth but again that doesn't and you were at that game I right? was yeah I went out there I, I, first time first time uh, going to Messinic that was um you know my my Google Maps was great directions were great but uh, stupid me forgot to to reach out and say hey is the field at the school um, which it kind of is it's just a little bit behind it when I'm driving around like. Where's the field? Where's the field? I'm like, hey, dummy, why don't you go take that road over there where it looks like all the cars are? Um, but it, it's a it's an interesting spot because it's at the top of a hill, and it's like almost like the hill was like flattened just to put the field there. Um, oh, that's cool. So there's not a lot of room around it. There is a fence all the way around it. Um, but you know, with I feel like Kearsarge's field is a little, a little bit like, like that, that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, it was a it was an and of course that the crowd was was really good. Um, you know, like I said, given that it's a, a, a rivalry, um, you know, and I, I would say that there was quite a bit of back and forth in this. The difference was just that Messinic finished and, and, and Conant wasn't able to. Yeah. Uh, so was Messinic, was it Messinic or Mascoma that had the goalie, uh, the Mas new goalie? Um, Mascoma, actually, uh, interesting. Uh, glad that you brought that up. Um, they both had new goalies. Okay. Uh, Muscoma had the one that I think you're thinking of that I'd mentioned, um, Gabby Pierce, who had played football. The junior. Yes. Messinic yep. um, also had an, a new goalie this year by the name of uh, Emma, Emma Cargill, who um, I guess had ne she'd played field hockey before but had never played goalie before. And if you actually look at their roster in the program this year, uh, there's no goalie listed. Uh, she, huh. she had never played in goal before and then they, you know, and then decided to, uh, because they didn't have a goalie for this year. That's cool. Yeah. And that's she, cool. I she mean, like, that's, that's, I mean, my heart will always be warm for people who are willing to put on the pads and, and, you know, become the best type of human on the planet. You've Cause gotta, I, yeah. I fully maintain bullies. Goalies are the best people. <laughs> You've got to be a little bit crazy to want to actually get in there and, and, and yeah, but it's goalie. the right kind of crazy Joe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so Messinic, um, in the final four, uh, another team that, that I'm not too sure the last time, um, they were there. I probably should have, uh, looked for this before actually talking about it on the podcast. Um, but was going to look to see the last time, uh, they had been in the final, uh, going back to 2001, um, 2000, 2001, they won back to back championships. Uh, both oh. times against Winnesquam in Class MS. Um, we we were a little older then, but not not quite oh. uh, <laughs> where we are now. Um, still not in high school. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was still not in high school. Um, <laughs> so uh, they'll be taken on Guilford in one of the semifinals. On the other side, uh, you got the three seed uh, in Newport, who is moving on after they they get a win over uh, Berlin. Um, and I'm not sure, I, I gotta imagine maybe for Newport, this is, you know, the first time there in a while. I know that since I've really been focusing on and covering field hockey, I have, I don't remember seeing them there, uh, but I could be yeah, wrong Yeah, I, I think this is, 
I think this is one of Newport's more successful seasons in recent memory, just kind of across the, across the board. Yeah. Um, and, and they're there, uh, taking on, I guess, the team that just seems to find its way into the semifinals every year, no, no matter where they're seated. Uh, yeah. that's Bishop Brady who, uh, who beat new number two, newfound two to one in their quarterfinal on Friday. Yeah, there's always, I mean, that quarterfinal round is always good for at least one big upset somewhere, and, and I think this game was it. You know, it, it, and it's one of those, too, it's like going into it, you know, Bishop Brady and Newfound played twice during the year. Newfound won both games, 4 nothing and one nothing. Um, And so you'd say, oh, well, you know, those those are maybe, especially 4 nothing, uh, maybe a pretty uh, easy win for a handed handedly beating uh bishop brady in that one um but you know it's it's tough to beat teams three times in a year right yeah it's the hardest thing to do i think is beat a team three times in the same year i mean you just have too much familiarity at that point um and when you're well coached like like brady is you know i i imagine the prep that went into that was i mean well it obviously was what it needed to be because they came out with the win and are heading off to the final four right so then you've got um, Bishop Brady versus Newport in the first semifinal on Tuesday, also at Exeter. That'll start at 5 o'clock. Uh, those two teams did not meet during the regular season, so this should be, you know, again, uncharted um, territory for both. Um, be an interesting kind of matchup. And, and a situation, too, where, you know, the lower seed has more experience in this in this spot than, than the higher seed. Yeah. And then, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Newport does to yeah. prepare and get mentally ready for it. And then the other semi, uh, Milford, or Milford, <laughs> I combined <laughs> them there. Uh, Guilford, so much rhyming. Guilford and Messenic. Um, that's funny, combine them and get Milford. Uh, yeah. They just played a couple weeks ago um, in the last week of the regular season with, with Guilford getting a 2 nothing win in that game. Um, but, you know, you, you look at, at Messenic's track record this year and a couple times you know they have a situation where they played someone twice and and that first game you know particularly I look at look at Newport that the first time they played Newport they lost 6-1 turn around about two weeks later and beat them 3-1 um, you know they had a couple other games like that too where they they won close games the first time around and then won by bigger margins the second time yeah and I think both of these games are going to be interesting in that, like, you know, we've talked about kind of playing surface a bit here too with right. Laconia now in D2 and not in D3. I don't think there is a D3 team that has turf. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think so. So I think for all four of these teams to, to come to Exeter and now you know uh, play on that surface, I think it's going to, I think it's going to really, elevate the skill of of all of the players and and i you know i think all bets are off for all these matchups uh saint thomas has turf um but uh brady brady and guilford both played there okay uh, and newport did as well oh okay so they've got it uh but and, oh, actually thomas. actually all four of them did <laughs> Uh, oh, Newport, perfect. Newport, right. Scenic, Brady, and Guilford all played games at St. Thomas this year, and all won games at St. Thomas this year. All right. Well, then, even better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, 
I think that'll just about, uh, or any, I mean, if you've got any, unless you've got any final thoughts, I think that'll just about wrap us up for today. No, I mean, I'm excited for this week. This is the, this is what you get out of bed in the morning for. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Three days of what, what I would expect to be some really good field hockey. Um, really looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to some little bit nicer weather than we're used to with these uh, semifinals. Yeah, I mean, I had no problem in my shorts and flip flops <laughs> on Saturday, yeah. so I'm I'm hoping I don't have problems with my shorts and flip flops on Wednesday either. <laughs> All right. Well, Kelly, thanks again for joining me. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. She is Kelly Braley, uh, head coach at Sauhegan, and and of course the AD. I am Joe Marcellina. If you get out to the semifinals, uh, enjoy them. Uh, if you don't, um, you know, hopefully you can follow along, uh, keep an eye on them somewhere. And uh, we will talk to you about some, uh, some state championship games next week, and uh, have a good week.